When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome in to today's edition of the PHNX D-Backs podcast, a special Saturday show here on the PHNX D-Backs podcast. We're working overtime this week, and here to work overtime with us is the one, the only, Mr. Electric, Sean DePaz, making his triumphant return to the podcast. Sean, it's good to see you. We miss you around it's here. good to see you too, Jesse. That music... I, I was going to say his music to my ears, but quite literally was music to my ears. It was just nice <laughs> to hear the music again. <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, Sean joined the dark side and uh, now is producing a hockey show for all city called mm-hmm. what chaos. I will be fully upfront and say that I'm not a huge hockey person. Uh, so I couldn't tell you much about what Sean does on an everyday basis, but everything I've heard is very positive. It seems like things are going great. <laughs> Sean is now stationed out in Boston doing that full time. Uh, Sean, what is a, what is Boston like? Like it, it's cold and, and miserable this time of it's year, right? cold and dark. It's 4.50 as we speak and it is uh, dark like it is 9 p.m. I don't like that. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely different, but I, I like it. It feels like home. I've ate, I've eaten about, uh, like 23 different chicken parms in the two months that I've lived here. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm enjoying it for sure. It's definitely a change of pace from Phoenix though. That's for sure. Is that, is that like Boston cuisine, chicken parm? Is that the Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Just like really? pizza shops everywhere. Or like you just get subs and pizza and stuff like that. Like there's just pizza shops everywhere and all of them have chicken parms and i just i don't know i love chicken i love chicken parms so i've been eating a bunch yeah. of those steak bombs those go crazy too there's this one sandwich i got that's like a chicken parm with prosciutto on it and it's probably the best thing i've eaten since i've gotten to boston the food out here is it's pretty good it's, it's different than phoenix food for sure but it's pretty good Sounds sounds pretty amazing. Uh, I must say I'm a little disappointed. It doesn't really sound like you picked up any kind of Boston accent at this point, which I was really nah, counting I can, on. I can start <laughs> going over my R's if you need me to. The Haba. <laughs> I left my cockies and my khakis. Is that, that a? I mean, stuff. that's a that's a real thing, right? Like I've never been oh, to Boston. I've always wanted to go, but that's like the most appealing part of it to me is just watching yeah. and hearing people talk like that. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's not like everybody, right? It's not like you went you've gone to like England and everyone has an act like, but like you sure. definitely like I I go to the grocery store. I just I did it as like <laughs> I did the grocery store. Like you go to the grocery <laughs> store and uh, like I go to get like deli meat and they're like, 
like they just like all there'll be like three guys behind the counter talking about Mac Jones and the Patriots and how Bill Belichick isn't getting the job done. All, like it's, <laughs> it's all it's 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 like you dropped into a different world for sure. Uh, it, it, it sneaks up on you and you're like, ah, I forgot people talk like that. Yeah, I one of my favorite Super Bowl commercials ever. I don't know if you guys remember this. I know, I the the, the smot the smot pot commercial smot from like pot. a couple of years ago. I don't yeah. I I'm not a huge like Super Bowl commercials guy necessarily, but I was in college at the time and we were like playing that on the screen like over and over again. <laughs> Some days like I would be having a bad day and I just like Google the smot pot commercial and it would just make <laughs> me feel better. It's a, there's something about the Boston accent. It just I don't know. Why does that me. not surprise me about you, Jesse? I don't know. I, I'm I'm very strange. <laughs> It it was a it was an amazing commercial with some pretty legendary uh, actors and actresses and Big Poppy, which is also a a fun Uh, surprise. John Krasinski, yeah, and I forget the woman's name. That was yeah, actual car, but yeah, it's uh, that's that's an all time. Yeah, no, people out here definitely definitely talk like that. Uh, And like I said, it's not everybody, so it's it's like it's kind of rare enough that it surprises you every time you hear it and also like let's be real i think there's kind of a stereotype of what people in boston look like and then you see someone (laughs) who doesn't fit that stereotype and then they just they they have that accent you're like oh my god i wasn't expecting (laughs) you to talk like that (laughs) well so last time you were on the phnx d-back show sean we were trying to figure this out we think it was some sometime during the nlcs uh, where the yes. Diamondbacks were, they were cruising along. They had made the playoffs. You, of course, were uh, part of our show from some point in the summer, some point during the middle of the season. Yep. Uh, you, me, and Derek, those were the good old days. Um, and then, yeah, Diamondbacks find their way into the postseason. Uh, they certainly made waves once they got there, sweeping the the Brewers and mm-hmm. in, in what wound up being a two-game series, sweeping the Dodgers. And one of the greatest things that's happened in the Diamondbacks history, is, as far as I'm concerned, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I felt really bad for you at the time because it was like, like, here we are, Sean's been a part of this thing throughout most of the year. And then the Diamondbacks are on the brink of the World Series. And it's like, all right, yeah, Sean has to go do something else now. Um, but obviously, the Diamondbacks did find their way to the World Series. Yeah. The results once they got there, not great. Uh, you know, they they wind up losing the series four games to one, even though they they held their own in a lot of those games. The one game that they did win was... Uh, you know, in convincing fashion, I think it was a 10-1 final score. So they didn't embarrass themselves by any means, but uh, didn't play as well as I'm sure they were hoping to. I'm just curious for you, like looking back on all this and, uh, you know, the the life you used to have uh, here in Arizona. <laughs> I'm sure you're still following the Diamondbacks from afar. But oh, yeah. how, how did it kind of sit with you, like as the playoffs was happening and watching the World Series and all that after you left? It was very odd because obviously I was going through like a pretty significant life change at the moment too. Sure. I was moving across the country <laughs> and I, I was, I ultimately ended up watching the World Series like alone in my hotel room, which was obviously a pretty different experience <laughs> from what I had been doing throughout most of the playoffs. Um, so it was, it was like weird because I was distracted, so it like didn't hurt that much, but at the same time, like everything was numb. Like I, I it yeah. was happening, and I was just like, ah. Uh, uh here yeah and and it's over like it just kind of <laughs> it just kind of happened without much fanfare at the end it felt like and so i was just like damn that was fun i really wish i was in phoenix like and it's obviously one of those things where you feel like if i had like i hadn't left maybe things would be different not like i had anything to do with it obviously <laughs> but it just felt like i left the energy changed 
And I was just, it was over from that moment, even though obviously they won the NLCS after I left. But like, it was, uh, it was just such a different experience. Like, like, and I know, you know, we talk like PHNX making it more fun to be a fan and everything like that. But like, when you, when you're watching this whole season and everything going on as a part of the PHNX community and then you get ripped out of it, like it does, it has a very different vibe to, to watching the playoffs, watching the Diamondbacks. So, it obviously it wasn't that fun. It wasn't as much fun as I had been having <laughs> up until that point. But um, ultimately, I was able to you know kind of sit there and reflect on how awesome the ride was in the end. I mean, it sounds like you're just taking responsibility that you know the yeah, reason I the mean, diamond, the reason it kind of fell apart was because Sean DePaz left town. I don't know what other explanation to give, right? <laughs> uh, if that is how it has to be, I'll take it because ultimately that means I was responsible for their success up to that point, and uh, that's a. Uh, uh, a feather in my hat for sure. Well, we're going to, this is a really, a really fun show that we have planned. I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time. Uh, we're going to, as the headline reads, we are going to try to look back on this 2023 diamondback season and construct a list of the top 10 moments of the year. This was incredibly difficult. Me and Sean kind of worked together to try to piece this together. It felt like the impossible task. Almost all of the top 10 moments are postseason moments. Like there were so many, you know, big moments during the regular season as well. But a lot of those things didn't really make the cut. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, once you, once, series, once you right? go to the World You're Series. You're telling me that Lourdes building a sandcastle was not a top 10 That moment? was up there. That, that, might, that might be an honorable mention. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when you when you go as deep as you did in the postseason, obviously, those are, those are going to be the biggest moments the people are going to remember for for a long time. Uh, but before we get into that, Sean, I do want to ask you about this Diamondbacks offseason so far. Just kind of your perspective from afar on, on the moves that have been made. Uh, a pretty decent amount has been done so far, uh, at least relative to some other teams that haven't really done uh, much of anything, like your your Boston uh, Red Sox yeah, are in an, say, an interesting the, situation. The, the uh, Alex Verdugo Boston. out, Tyler O'Neill yeah. in. I'm not sure I really understand what's what's going on over there. <laughs> the vibe around the Boston Red Sox in Boston is not a very good one. It is very much that do something stick meme. Like if they at this yeah. point, you have people begging for literally anything other than trading one of the fan favorites to your mortal enemy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not great. Obviously, didn't uh, didn't make many. They they missed out on all of the potential big moves. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 not fun. Things definitely look much nicer in in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's still there's still a window of opportunity here. I mean, there's there's Blake Snell still out there, Jordan Montgomery still For out sure. there. It yeah. kind of, I mean, the reporting that's been done makes it sound like the Red Sox are not really interested in spending all that much, uh, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Obviously, being <sighs> yeah, in the AL doesn't East doesn't either. Being in the AL East, like, uh, I mean, it kind of looks like they're gunning for last place again. It's just kind of the reality of the situation, even though their roster's not terrible by any means. Um, but yeah, here in Arizona, the Diamondbacks go out. They get Eugenio Suarez in a trade with the Seattle Mariners, a guy who really didn't cost them much of anything in terms of trade capital. Carlos Vargas, Sebi Zavala uh, going over to Seattle. Essentially a salary dump of sorts for the Mariners. Gets the D-backs a third baseman that they sorely needed. D-backs shoot a little higher in the starting pitching market than at least I anticipated bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, kind of curious what you have to say about him as, as uh, a guy you're probably familiar with uh, out, out yeah. being, a, being a Red Sox fan. And then uh, more recently, the Diamondbacks bring back uh, bring back Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Yeah, I mean, the Lourdes one was nice because I wasn't really ex- expecting it. Like, for honestly, if you had asked me yeah. before the postseason what was more likely, them signing 
uh, Erod or re-signing Lourdes. Like, uh, Erod always just kind of felt like a diving back to me. Lourdes seemed very much in the air. So uh, that's uh, nice to have him back, have that continuity. As far as Erod is concerned, like, it is – it seems very much like a double-edged sword. He's a guy that's had a very interesting career path and yeah. and all of that stuff and has had injury problems. But also, we have seen that he could be a pretty amazing pitcher if he if everything is going right for him. And obviously, with the way this team's set up right now, you're not necessarily asking him to be your one or two. He can be your three, depending on how fought is, maybe even your four. So like, it, right. it is a very exciting move for baseball reasons and also just like... I think the signal it sends that they are clearly they're they're trying to win World Series is plural. Like they they, they weren't. They, I I was looking at a Twitter thread earlier of people calling the Diamondbacks run a, a fluke, and it's like you can say that if you want. The roster is a pretty good roster, whether you like it or not. Uh, but they are clearly improving it. Um, even Suarez, like it, it's it's very nice, and also the feeling that like they're not done. There's hopefully more for them yeah. to do. Like especially when you're in my situation, when you're sitting in a city like Boston and listening to how people are talking about this team, a big market team, an owner with a lot of money. He owns one of the biggest soccer clubs in the entire world, but apparently <laughs> doesn't have enough money for his baseball team. Uh, like it is, it's pretty awesome to look at the Diamondbacks and be like, that's a team that is like, if you're a sports fan, that's how you want your team to operate. You want to have that little yeah. bit of success and then, then to go for it. The owner to, to spend money, even if it's a quote unquote small market team, like it, it, is like this off season is like all the rewarding parts of being a, a, a fan of a team like this. Um, and so it's, it's really encouraging because I think they're undoubtedly a better baseball team, a very good baseball team. Uh, the expectation I think is going to be obviously higher than what it was last year. I don't necessarily think that it's, I mean, it's world series or bust, honestly, not at this point. Um, and so like, it, it's like, it's a, it's a fun, exciting time to be a Diamondbacks fan. Um, and like I said, Hopefully they're not done yet. Do you really think it's World Series or bust? Like we we had this I conversation mean, a couple weeks ago. I think <laughs> you have to get back to the postseason. That seems yeah. to be a consensus for everyone. But once you get to the playoffs, I mean, twenty twenty three was Exhibit A. Anything can happen. Like if you can if you can get dropped in the first, if you can get swept in the first round with the Dodgers roster, then you know with the Diamondbacks you know, roster, who's sure. to say what happens? You know, once once you get in. I mean, it's it's World Series or bust in the sense that like. There's no, there's nowhere to go back. Like there are, there's nowhere to move forward in the sense that you obviously were just other than that, yeah. Than winning the World Series, right? And like they're not putting this roster together to make a wild card again, and then maybe win a wild card series. Like they're obviously they're putting this roster together to try to get back, and then this time win the World Series. Um, and so obviously, yeah, you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. But like. If you're the brew, if 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 the Diamondbacks this year are the Brewers last year, then I think the season is a failure. Like they won their division, they, or no, they didn't win the division. Or yeah, they won. The yeah, game, they. Right? I mean, it's not a great uh, division, but yeah, not a great division. Is. But they won the division, and then they got swept in the in the wild card. Like that is not that's not a successful season for the Diamondbacks this year. Like yeah, if you get if you get back to where you were last year in a situation with the Dodgers, and you end up losing to them, like okay, that's not necessarily obviously it's a failure of the season because you didn't win, but it's like. This is the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the 2024 Los Angeles Dodgers, the greatest professional sports team to ever be assembled, <laughs> apparently. Um, like, it, that is what it is. But I definitely think that, like, in the minds, like, you're not going to hear from this organization what you heard the beginning or in the beginning of last season, the offseason last year, where it was like, 
hey, if we win 75 games, it's a good season. Like, that's not going to be the messaging. At least it better not be. I think the messaging is going to be this is a team trying to win a World Series. Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump in here into trying to put together this top ten list which again. Totally impossible. You guys are probably gonna hate some of the decisions we made, but uh, no matter what, I, you're gonna be hated in some ways if you do this. I'm I'm convinced after trying to give it a shot. Uh, but before we get there, I want to tell everyone about our friends over at Illegal Pete's. Uh, Sean, of course, can attest to Illegal Pete's and the, the days of having Illegal Pete's in, in the <laughs> I office. Miss it. And, how, how great those days were. Uh, but chicken parm, Sean, but chicken parm. <laughs> okay, chicken parm is great, but you're not getting illegal pizza up here. Like, it's, it's, you can, you can, you can get chicken parm anywhere. You can't get illegal pizza anywhere. That's a man of business right there. I think you, they do have illegal pizza in several other states, if I'm not mistaken. I don't I'm think assuming illegal, illegal pizza is not in Massachusetts. Yeah, it's, it's probably, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty but far it is to in go. Colorado. It is in Colorado. Colorado. There's, they've got canes out here all, all, randomly, though. Oh, like, that's get lit, illegal though. pizza out here. Get illegal <laughs> Anyways, pizza out here. Pete's needs to be out there just for Sean. Illegal pizza does. Like, We're going to have to get on that. Yeah. You know how it would eat on all these college campuses they have out here? Like uh, like Berkeley? That's just a, why not? Be UBC. Get an illegal pizza out here, dog. Yeah, there, you, there's Jesse, like you specifically get it out here. There's like 800 college campuses in Boston, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I mean, it feels like illegal Pete's. That would just be an easy win for them. Uh, but yes, whether you are shopping for a margarita maniac or a queso connoisseur, uh, Legal Pete's is your one-stop shop to spread the cheer. Grab $100 in Illegal Pete's gift cards and get an extra $25 gift card for free. If you're looking for some fun, belated uh, stocking stuffers, you can check out their holiday merch sale as well. All of their t-shirts are just $15 through the end of the year. So be sure to take advantage of that. Of course, uh, we always would love for you guys to become PHNX diehards here at PHNX as well. Uh, lots of exclusive content available, all of the best uh, writing that we produce. Uh, we, you know, A lot of the stuff is out there, but we also keep some behind the paywall. Uh, you can get writing from myself, from Craig Morgan covering the Coyotes, Gerald Bourget with the Suns, and so much more. Um, so that it's worth it for that uh, all by itself. Uh, but beyond that, you also get a free T-shirt every year from the PHNX Locker. You also get 20% off all events here at PHNX. That includes all of our takeovers uh, that we have planned next year. Sean, I don't know if you heard, but we are planning an outing at the swimming pool uh, at Chase Field next yeah, year. Which you might I, you might I, have to make a trip back for that. I don't know. I might <laughs> have to. I don't know why, but do you know when exactly it is? Because my birthday is in the summer, so I think it's July thirty first. I don't know if you if you know what that is, Jacob. July fifteenth sure. is my oh. birthday, so sounds I might like have a to, sounds like a birthday trip waiting I to happen. Might have to make a birthday trip. Yeah, just come up for the whole month of see. July. Stay I'm expecting I'm expecting you, Jesse, to to come out. To Boston when the the Diamondbacks are here. The D backs are D backs are at Fenway Park. Um, yeah, when is that? Do you know when that's uh, the end of August? I believe I was talking to Damon okay. about it the other day. Um, t- tickets to Red Sox games surprisingly not that expensive. Uh, I guess that's a, a function of where the team is at right now. <laughs> them being bad, I just figured a small stadium like that and it being the Boston Red Sox, like it was always going to be expensive. Like yeah. Celtics games are. You can get day two against the Orioles, $14 tickets. Wow. Like on game time, obviously, you know. On um, game so time, I, of course. I, of course. Like I, I, so you might have to come out, maybe enjoy it as a fan. A little Fenway Frank. I've so never, I've never been to Fenway Park. Uh, I've, you it's, know, I've certainly knocked some stadiums off uh, over the course of this past season, but Fenway is a place I've never been and have always, always wanted to go. 
I, I haven't been to Wrigley or Dodger Stadium. Um, or you haven't like been to Camden Dodger Stadium? That's I like I never got to Dodger Stadium. I know. Wow. Okay. But, but like I've been to New Yankee Stadium. New Yankee Stadium sucks. Like <laughs> Fenway so Park. Does Dodger is, Stadium. <laughs> I've heard, but Fenway Park is a magical, magical place. Like yeah. it feels like you are you've gone back in time. It's unbelievable. Well, you come to us in in July. We'll come to you in August. We'll we'll, we we'll find we'll that. find a way we'll find a way to make this work. Uh, but yeah, all that to say, you should become a PHNX diehard uh, because it will save you money on all sorts of things. And then who knows? Maybe you have a little leftover to uh, hop over on the Game Time app and buy yourself some Fenway Park tickets. Uh, you know, take take a little take a little summer trip uh, along along with the PHNX crew. Um, but yeah, with that, let's go ahead and, and attempt this impossible task of going through. <laughs> And looking back on this this magical 2023 season for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I think that's pretty much the only way I can come up with to describe what happened this year. Uh, it's not like they won 100 games. They won 84. But it's amazing how far they were able to go uh, given, given where they started. We're going to start at the very bottom and then kind of work our way up over the course of the season. Um, we have a couple of honorable mentions here, so we'll start with that. We could have had like 24 honorable mentions, yeah. but we kind of wouldn't <laughs> narrow it down to two. Um, but the first honorable mention um, that I want to bring up is the All-Star Game. Uh, the mm-hmm. Diamondbacks had four representatives this year. It's been quite a while since they were represented so well in the All-Star Game. And for me, Sean, like all these guys kind of have cool stories in and of themselves. Yeah. Geraldo Perdomo, not a guy that I think a lot of people saw making a, an All-Star team and the fact no. that he was able to do that at age 23. Corbin Carroll, obviously the homecoming narrative. That was like a big story the whole time. I was there and got to see him being flooded with reporters nonstop the entire time that he was in Seattle. Uh, Zach Gallon starting the game. What an honor that was. And then Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hitting a foul home run. Uh, well, yeah. hitting a home run that was eventually ruled foul upon replay review. That was a fascinating, a fascinating moment in the All-Star game as well. Yeah, and then proceeding to be like one of the worst baseball players in the league in the months after the All Star game. Like this that's also true. part of why it was crazy. <laughs> is that like it, it almost kind of made me reevaluate All Star games because it was kind of at that moment where I was like, wait a second, we're giving these people awards that show up on like Hall of Fame plaques for half a season of baseball. Seems yeah. a little weird to me, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a pretty awesome moment. Like that was, I think that was a moment for Diamondbacks fans who were like, like, oh, like we're here. Like people are forced to acknowledge the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I think that's the thing just for Arizona fans in general, right, is you often get ignored by the national media and you couldn't really when you one of your players was starting the All-Star game. One of your players was the best rookie in baseball getting to play at an All-Star game in his rookie year. Yeah, starting too. He was a starting like, outfielder. Exactly. Yeah. And then Geraldo Perdomo, who I think his being there just kind of pissed other fans off because they're like, who the fuck is this kid? And that <laughs> made me happy. Um, and then Lourdes Guriel just showing that Diamondbacks will forever have won. I don't care what the the, the numbers say with defensive replacement. Says, I like They've won that trade with the Toronto Blue Jays and having him immediately <laughs> make an all-star game, like that was that was awesome. It was, yeah, it was just a great moment, I think, especially like halfway through the season for the Diamondbacks to get acknowledged because they were one of the better teams in baseball uh, yeah. up until that point. So it was the first half of the season was like a lot of fun. Obviously not close to the fun we had at the, in the postseason, but it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that was kind of like as the wheels were falling off for the D-backs. Like they were, <laughs> sure. they were like, you know, things weren't looking great on the field leading up to the All-Star break. That was viewed as kind of like the, all right, everyone step away, you know, <laughs> uh, get get some time with your family, come back, and hopefully things will look better. They didn't uh, for about no. three weeks. It, <laughs> it continued to be very rough. Uh, but yeah, uh, unbelievable. Just those couple days in Seattle, getting to be there and cover it myself was was one of my favorite uh, things that I've ever done in, in my career here in this field. So uh, tons of memories made there in Seattle for sure. Another uh, another honorable mention that I want to bring up is Corbin Carroll uh, reaching 25 home runs and 50 stolen bases, becoming the first rookie in ALNL history to accomplish that feat. Just, I mean, what what can you really say about the rookie season that Corbin Carroll had? And for the for him to do it in this way, Sean, in a pretty important game against the San Francisco Giants, uh, stealing two bases in this game, uh, getting from he was at 24 homers and 48 stolen bases going into this game. Uh, he ended the game with 25 and 50. He got the two stolen bases, I think, in like the first few innings, and then in his in one of his later at bats in the game, he hits a, a solo home run for that 50th dinger. Of all the ways to do it, like of all the ways to make history <laughs> like that, it was a pretty a pretty remarkable way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, like you said uh, when we started this, like it, it, the fact that this isn't in the top 10. Yeah, it's not in the top 10. (laughs) Like like there's just so much. And I mean, even just having these conversations, there's so many other like little moments I can think of as being important moments, like trading for Paul Seawall at the deadline, Kevin Ginkle laughing like a maniac. Like there, there was just a lot of fun things that happened this year that, that could have ended up in this list if they hadn't gone to the world series. But yeah, I mean, Corbin, he, like, I think this is just kind of a, 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 symbolic of him just being the best rookie in baseball him being a one-of-a-kind generational talent like it it is him accomplishing what in and of itself is an amazing feat in such an amazing way like you mentioned with the two stolen bases and the home run the same game like it, it is just i think like i said symbolic of the fact that corbin is a pretty special person like it's pretty special yeah. talent and he's an arizona diamondback um so this this whole season in general like he, he the rookie of the year was an Arizona Diamondback. Uh, it was it was awesome to watch Corbin Carroll. Yeah, yeah, that game was just like the uh, it just brought it all together. Like, yes, Corbin Carroll is awesome, and yes, of course, see, you know, when he's when he's one one homer and two stolen bases away, of course, he's going to get them all in the same game. Yeah. Uh, I think I think on one of those stolen bases, Patrick Bailey threw the ball into center field. He wound up getting really an extra base there. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and and still a very important game for the Diamondbacks. Obviously, this happened toward the end of the season. All of the games they were playing, especially against the Giants, who were still in the mix there for a while. Uh, all of that. All of that was really important. Um, but all right, now we're going to get to the actual top 10. Those moments, I mean, those barely made the list. Very, <laughs> barely even moved the needle. Do um, not downplay those, Jesse. Those are, those are some pretty incredible moments. Uh, number, number 10, Sean, at least what I have. We kind of worked together on, on this for the most part. Um, Zach Gallen threw a complete game yeah. shutout against the Chicago Cubs at a time when he was not throwing the ball particularly well at all. Uh, Gallen was really struggling toward the end of the season. But he goes into Wrigley Field, a really, really important series for the Diamondbacks at the time. All of their games against the Cubs happened in September. And at yep. the begin- near the beginning of the month, the Cubs were so far ahead of the Diamondbacks, it didn't really look like reaching them or moving past them was a realistic goal. But the series that they had in Wrigley Field and then coming back to Arizona and 
kind of taking it to the Cubs once again. Uh, it was huge. And in that game, Jamison Tyone was outstanding. This was not yeah. a game the D-backs won like 14 to 1. This was Zach Gallon taking matters into his own hands and throwing the first nine inning shutout of his career. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a moment where, like, you watched it and you, like, in the moment, you could have said that this was going to end up in the top 10 moments of the year. Like, and when you, yeah. uh, all the context that you laid out, him not pitching well, him having a track record of not pitching well on the road at all that season. That's uh, true. Obviously, going into Wrigley in a, in a, was that a nationally televised game, too, if I remember correctly? Like, it, it, um... I feel like it might have been. I don't. I don't. There remember. were a lot was, of eyes. There were more eyes than normal for sure. Very big game. Like it, all yeah. of the the different layers of context that are around this game. At, like and then for him to come in there and pitch a shutout. Nothing like like it was in the moment. It was like oh my god, we needed this, and they yeah. did it. It was there. I felt like, for, especially in the second half of the season, there were so many moments where you were looking for the Diamondbacks to do something and they wouldn't, and <laughs> you needed something huge from them in this situation. And I don't think anyone was going into that expecting a performance like that from Zach Gallon and for him to deliver like that um, was m- massive, obviously. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, yeah, this was on September 8th. Uh, so still a few weeks away from the end of the season. The D-backs were basically already playing playoff games at that point. Every yeah. game had so much importance. And the final score of this game was one to nothing. So it was like if ever a starting pitcher can win you a game, this was so, Zach Gallen yeah. winning the Diamondbacks, a very pivotal game all by himself. One of the, one of the greatest, the greatest moments of the season for sure. Um, and just a lot of fun to watch. Like you obviously yeah. don't see complete games all that often at this stage in the majors and seeing Zach Gallon uh, able to pull that off was, was really remarkable. Um, all right, but that's still, we got nine moments better than that. Sean. <laughs> that one's still, that one's still borderline irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Uh, number nine, this was, I think a lot of these things could go in any order, but yeah. the first inning against Clayton Kershaw in the NLDS what had to make the list for me. This was the beginning of the season. This was like the first five or 10 minutes of the NLDS and the Diamondbacks made a statement against, yes, a pitcher who does not have a great postseason reputation, but still a pitcher who is very much favored against the Diamondbacks in that game, pitching for a team very much favored against the Diamondbacks in that series. And uh, they changed the narrative very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any Diamondbacks fan that told you they were going into that, like not a little bit nervous, was lying to you. It yeah. was the Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers. And it, 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 this could have just as easily been a game where Clayton Kershaw changed the narrative, uh, but it wasn't. And it happened so fast that I felt like you kind of, you were just sitting there being like, oh my, oh my, oh my God, oh, this is happening. <laughs> like it, it was, it, it, it just kind of smacked you in the face being like, oh, we're the Arizona Diamondbacks. We don't care who you are. We're coming. We're kicking ass. We're taking names. And, like, it was it was genuinely one of the more shocking moments of the season in all the right ways. Like, it, it, it caught everyone off guard. And I think at, it was at that moment we were like, oh, this, this might be different. Like, this might not be a, a Cinderella run that ends in the NLDS, like, oh, you swept the Brewers, cool, but now you have to go up against the Dodgers in going to Dodger Stadium. Like, uh, uh, the narrative, I think, for a lot of people was 
playing with house money. Like it, it, yeah, everyone wanted to win, but you knew also that if this is where it ended, the season was a massive success. Um, but they smacked that right out of everybody. Uh, they smacked it out of Clayton Kershaw. That's for sure. Um, and it, yes. was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I like, you could argue that this is the number one moment because of the fact that it was just embarrassing the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that is always fun. Uh, but again, there was just so many amazing moments in this postseason that it's all kind of interchangeable. The yeah. look on Kershaw's face was worth about a million bucks. I mean, the, the photo of him with his hands on his knees. It's just and and yeah. getting to text every Dodgers fan you know, like <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. just being like, look at what you're doing. Look at no, and look at what we're doing to you. And everyone's watching. It's awesome. Like you spend all, and that's yeah. why. That's why. Like, the, go sign Shohei Otani. <clears throat> go sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Like, go They're do terrified. it. Terrified. Go do it. You're scared. The diamond, the the Arizona Diamondbacks scared you into spending a billion dollars on a on a DH. And a guy who was never pitched in Major League Baseball, like, and I, and yeah. I have tweeted it out, like the Yoshi signing is, I think, what scared me the most because that he's pretty good at baseball. But like, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of uncertainties. You spent seven hundred million dollars on a guy who is not going to be able to pitch for at least a year, and another guy, like I said, who was never pitched in Major League Baseball, all because of what the Arizona Diamondbacks did you, did to you in the NLDS. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's really fun to know. And they can win all you want. Go 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 ahead, win now. You're never going to take back <laughs> what the Diamondbacks did to you in Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and it, it just it wasn't that the Diamondbacks won Game One. It was that the Diamondbacks really embarrassed the Dodgers mm-hmm. in that game, right? And especially in those first few minutes. If you're just looking at the game log of how this inning transpired, <laughs> it was a Cattell Marte double. Uh, yeah. which shout out to, to James Outman. Uh, Clayton Kershaw wasn't the only one to blame. James Outman yeah. uh, probably should have made this that. catch. Um, Corbett Carroll singles him home. I think it was like a ground ball up the middle. Uh, Tommy Pham then singles first and second. Nobody out, one run in. Uh, Christian Walker hits a, a RBI double. Um, that gets the Diamondbacks a couple of runs. And then Gabriel Moreno, with one of the biggest bat flips in Diamondbacks history. His bat flips just seemed to escalate mm. as the postseason went on. Uh, he blew the game open and made it 5 to nothing. And then Evan Longoria gets in on the action later in the inning, doubles home a run. The Diamondbacks put a sixth spot on the Los Angeles Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw, and Kershaw did not make it out of the inning. It was two-thirds of an inning from Clayton Kershaw in game one of the NLDS. And that it very much set the tone for a series in which the Los Angeles Dodgers did not have a lead the entire way, which still boggles my mind to this day that the Diamondbacks played a three-game series against the Dodgers, two of those games in L.A., and the Dodgers never had a lead the entire time. Yeah, and and they started like and like starting the season in LA, kind of getting if I remember correctly, kind of getting their ass kicked in Game One. Like that was a very odd series, if I remember correctly, where they split the series, but the two games that they won were super close, and the two games they lost, they got their ass kicked. So it was correct numbers really on it. Like as, so to come kind of full circle and be like, ah, fuck you, we're gonna yeah. embarrass you. Like it, it was it was really cool. Um, and you mentioning Evan Longoria like made me just think of another honorable mention, like him in in Game One of the NL or of the Wild Card against the yeah. Brewers, just turning back the clock and just yeah. being like Rookie of the Year, Evan Longoria defensively <laughs> too. Like it was and that was just crazy. And, and I, I, that's another thing about this ranking. Like I feel like it's just going to bring, bring remind you of all these other things that happened, like little things that happened in the games too. Just like Gabby's bat flips, like that alone. 
Gabby being Gabby is a moment in and of itself. Like the arrival of Gabrielle Moreno. Sure. Um, but it, like, there's just, it was so fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> well, it wasn't, the postseason wasn't just the arrival of Gabriel Moreno. It was also the arrival of Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello as, <laughs> as one of the more iconic uh, speech artists, uh, clubhouse speech <laughs> artists in, in Arizona sports history. Uh, this, of course, was not something that happened on the field. We kind of went back and forth on where exactly this should go. But it did feel just how iconic some of the words that he spoke here have mm. become, uh, how much of a rallying cry some of this became throughout the Diamondbacks postseason run. This speech, which we're about to play once again from Tori Lovello, is number eight on, on our list. Are you fucking kidding me? Listen, this is part of the journey. We're not there yet. Let's enjoy it. Let's embrace it. Let's fucking party. And the connected team is a fucking dangerous team. We are fucking dangerous. Let's fucking party. There is so much about that. Like the yeah. the fact that he just was like clearly talking before he thought about what he was saying. Like it was just he was just kind of just like uh, yeah. and also a connected team is a, let's party. Like him just screaming let's party at the end like a frat boy was hilarious to me. Like the whole thing was absolutely chaotic in the best way. And like you said, it, it like so much of it. A connected team is a fucking dangerous team. Like that was a rallying cry. Um, it, it, yeah. it, it was awesome. I think that moment was another moment where it was just emblematic of a lot of what you saw this season, which was just Tori really being like an emotional leader for this team and just kind of being one of the guys in a way not a lot of managers can be. And I, it was clearly why this team was so much more successful than they probably should have been, I guess, sure. uh, because of Tori and, and who he was and the emotion he provided this team. Uh, and so just to see that like that, in that moment when the emotions of all the fans were running so high too, it was like, it was a spark. And I think it just kind of launched what was the Diamondbacks playoff run into like a whole other stratosphere. Yeah, it is funny. Like he he does kind of pause there. You can tell, <laughs> I mean, this is a poor Tory Lovello. Like what, I mean, what has this guy been through like over the last yeah. couple of games? They were back to back. This is after the wild card series, I should say. Uh, Diamondbacks win both of these games in comeback fashion against the yeah. Brewers. You know that Tori's mind, uh, you know, what had happened to Gabriel Moreno in game two. Uh, yeah. His status was still a little uncertain. The Diamondbacks had to turn to Jose Herrera. Tori Lovello had been through it, uh, you know, over the course of the last 24, 48 hours. And then he has to, like, get up there and give this speech. And yeah, you could tell there's a moment where it's like, what am I saying next? And then the words that came out of his mouth. Uh, you know, wound up being a rallying cry for the team yeah. and uh, also wound up on on a T-shirt that you can get over at the uh, PHNX Locker, which uh, shout out to that. Uh, you should you should all uh, hit that up if you haven't already. Um, when I when I sent the list to you originally, like my first thought, um, you you had one criticism, which was that Brandon Fott's postseason experience or postseason performance had to be in there somehow. Um, yeah. We have that at number seven. That was a very wise suggestion on your part. Uh, Brandon Fott was very good throughout the entire postseason run. We talked on the show a couple weeks ago about his ascension and kind of what it means for the Diamondbacks moving forward. Uh, I don't think we have it today, Sean, but 
you would probably love it. We made like a postseason version of Fott's baseball savant page. Uh, and his his chase and whiff rates were both like near the 100th percentile. If you just look at the postseason, he was just getting all kinds of swing and miss in a way that we had never seen from him uh, or like uh, in a way that we didn't see from Josh Hader during the regular season. Like he was that good at generating yeah. swing and miss in the playoffs. And for, you know, there were a number of good moments for him, but I settled on his performance in game three of the NLCS with the Diamondbacks down uh, two games to none in that series. It was a rough go in Philadelphia. D-backs lose game one. They lose game two in even more dramatic fashion. Brandon Fock goes out there and delivers not just an outstanding performance, but five and two-thirds innings with no runs, nine strikeouts in that game. Probably the best game that Brandon Fott has ever pitched in his life, and it really could not have come at a better time. Yeah, and I mean, not just one of the best games he's pitched. It's one of the best games a rookie has ever pitched in the postseason full stop. I believe he yeah. was the first rookie to ever pitch had to have nine plus strikeouts in a playoff game. Like it was it, it was an incredible performance. And again, this is one of those moments where on its face it's amazing, but when you add the context of like the whole narrative going in late into the regular season was like, okay, you got Merrill, you got Gallon. And he, and even that part And then what? Was, yeah. <laughs> the Gallon was kind of a question mark. And then it was yeah, yeah. and then it was and there was there was times when we were talking about is Zach Davies the best option at number three? And he didn't even make it through the entire regular season on the roster. Like it yeah. was a massive, massive question mark. And then again, like you said, losing the first two at uh, in Philadelphia, knowing that not not now do you not just have to win these games, but you also are going to, if you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish, you're going to have to go back to Philadelphia and try and win games there after what had happened in the first two games. Like there was obviously their backs were against the wall and Brandon Fott showed up in the biggest way possible. And it, I don't think you could have expected it. It obviously, you know, there's lots of players, like we talked about Clayton Kershaw, who it doesn't matter, arguably the greatest pitcher of all time. Can't do it in the postseason. But Brandon Fott did not shrink in the moment. In fact, he he showed up in the biggest way possible. Um, and so now yeah. going into this next season, it, it like that, Again, huge for the postseason, but I think it, it reshapes how you look at this Diamondbacks team because, like I mentioned earlier with the Erod signing, like you're now in a situation where Erod is your number three, and if Brandon Fott is pitching like he did in this postseason, and then Erod maybe is your number four, and that's you go from having this time last year a really a, a giant question mark for a starting pitching rotation to now having one of the best one through fours in all of baseball, like. That only happens if Brandon Fodd is pitching the way we now know he can pitch because he did it in the yeah. biggest stage of his life. My my favorite part of this game for Brandon Fott was that uh, Tori Lovello, after the fact, said that he was booing himself when he went out to remove Brandon Fott. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Fott managed to go five and two-thirds innings while also not facing anyone for the third time, which is very difficult to do. Five and two-thirds innings means you're getting 17 outs and two times through the lineup is 18 hitters. So Brandon Fott went out <laughs> and retired 17 out of 18 hitters and was still removed from the game, not yeah. given the opportunity for the lineup to turn over. This was a this was a close game, and it was a game the Diamondbacks absolutely needed to win. You can sort of understand why they did this, but uh, yeah, for Brandon yeah. Fott under those constraints to deliver five and two thirds and pitch the way he did and really put the Diamondbacks on his back was was really remarkable. Yeah, and it was big, like you mentioned, for Tory. Like it, it 
Corey could have kind of fucked everything up there. Like he had a guy who was yeah. one and he, I think on a, a number of occasions during the postseason show that he did what was probably not going to be on its face, the popular decision, but ultimately ended yes. up being the right one. <laughs> um, and it like, it, I think this, obviously this game being kind of just a, a symbol for all of Brandon Fott's postseason performance. Like I think it's the same for Tory and that obviously he didn't have much of a choice, but to turn the ball over to Brandon Fott in that situation, but no one would have questioned him if he let Brandon Fott continue pitching, but he didn't. And it, he would yeah, have taken the full force. Of, right yeah. Had, had he made the decision to let him keep pitching and had he given up runs, the people are going to do the same thing. They're going to say, Hey, like Tory left him in too long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, and who knows? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I do have the page. Uh, We do have the baseball savant page, uh, uh, Sean. This this took, by the way, entirely (laughs) too much work to put together. I had to like like manually find each of these numbers and then like cross-reference. Find a player to cross-reference with to figure out exactly what percentile they would be in. Uh, it, this, this took a little bit of work, but yes, Ooh. as you can see here, uh, there's some, it's not all red. Uh, you know, maybe people would have expected more the red barrel percentage. Uh, is all yeah. Concerning. Yeah, the barrel percentage is not great. Uh, there were uh, barrel rate during in this small of a sample size doesn't mean a whole lot, but yeah, the chase and the whiff is really what stands out here. A strikeout rate that was really, really good. A walk rate that was still very good. He wasn't just like pitching around guys. He was going after them. And he showed that his stuff can really can really play at the highest level. Yeah, I mean that's just that's beautiful to look at. <laughs> All those those I mean barrel number aside, like those those big bright red numbers. That's that's a symbol of a pretty good pitcher. And again, like I said, if he's pitching like this in the regular season, then the Diamondbacks rotation, assuming the other guys are doing their job, has suddenly become one of the best in all of baseball. And that's yeah not something you would have ever expected like i said this time last year yeah we'll we'll see what it looks like but yeah i mean brandon fought clearly one of the one of the biggest x factors for the team a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him going into 2024 uh we also want to do uh, we'll get to number six we'll take a break and, and do the top five but we have one more before we do that uh, number six on the list is Cattell Marte's walk-off RBI single against uh, Craig Kimbrell, which is in the same game. This game three yeah. of the NLCS, it was a really <laughs> a must-win game for the Diamondbacks. You can't go down 3-0. Brandon Fott set the table with his pitching performance, and then Cattell Marte delivers the what I believe was the first walk-off in Diamondbacks postseason history since... Luis Gonzalez did a fir- did did a certain thing back in back in two thousand one. One of the most memorable moments at the ballpark yeah. this season, and it was also beautiful because I guess this could be a top ten moment. It could be a, like just getting to drink the tears of Phillies fans and breaking Phillies fans. <laughs> like yes, <laughs> the, the the death of Craig Kimbrell in that series ruined Phillies fans. It was they a big did not narrative. know how to handle it, uh, and they, it made them question everything. And it was really beautiful. Like for them, I think I think it was important for them to win in such a bit like emotional way like this. Because like I mentioned, what they were going up against, uh, their back against the wall. Like for them to have like that spark. And obviously, I think fans naturally. I mean, it's the tween, team tweeted it out at the time. Like this being their first walk off since the big one. I think it was like. Another one of those moments for Diamondbacks fans that was just like, this team is not going to, like, they're not dead till they're dead. Like, you, they maybe yeah. they lost the first two, but, like, hey, this team has been, people have been counting this team out all year. Like, let, let, like it's not over yet. Um, and so it was, 
yeah, I think when you couple it with the the, the fought outing, like it was, it was it was the game that the team needed to have in that moment. Um, and so uh, it was another moment that was just a lot of fun. And it wasn't Craig Kimbrell's only slip up in in the NLCS. No, uh, we're gonna not. we're gonna we're gonna get to that here uh, in a moment in our top five list. But before we do that, I want to take a quick break. Tell everyone about. Desert Financial, uh, Desert Financial for more than 84 years has been Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union dedicated to creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community and providing financial solutions that makes lives better. Uh, look to Desert Financial for checking and savings accounts, mortgages, which is something that Derek took advantage of way back in the day, uh, loans, credit cards, investment options, and more. They've got you covered on all those different fronts. Join a credit union that is committed to giving back the, to the community and sharing success with its members. When you open a free checking account online, get $200 in bonuses. You can get started by visiting desertfinancial.com slash 200. Sean, it's just 200 free dollars. I mean, what are we, what are we doing here? Dollars. Use that, put that towards the free agency pool, sign another bat. Yeah, there you go. And $200 at JD Martinez, like that'll, yeah. that'll help, right? It'll be the uh, difference. Well, I mean, if you're JD Martinez, why not take 200 extra dollars and not have to play for the Los Angeles Angels? Makes no sense to me. If I'm JD Martinez and if JD Martinez signs with the Los Angeles Angels, I'm already not wanting to watch baseball this year because of Los Angeles Dodgers. That would just, <laughs> that would be another, like what I just, I feel so bad for angels fans, man. I just, <laughs> that's a whole other, that's a whole other story. Yeah. It's uh for as bad as being a Red Sox fan might be right now. And being an angels fan, probably even worse than that. It makes trading away Mookie Betts look like peanuts. You lost the greatest player of all time. Like the, yeah. the Red Sox were the only franchise before that could say that they had, they had, fucked up having the best player of all time because they kind of did it twice uh and now <laughs> the the angels are right there with them they've they did it twice at the same time mike trout i, uh, I can go i can talk about the angels bro <laughs> i feel so bad for those fans uh well sean i know there's not maybe a ton of sunshine in boston this time of year um but i hope you have your shady rays for when the oh, when the sun hey. does come out again the, right? the, 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 the way the sun reflects off snow it's blinding. Oh, you need oh. sunglasses even in the winter. Don't sleep. There you go. There you go. You heard it here first. Uh, yeah, uh, Shady Rays. We love our friends over at Shady Rays. I love my Shady Rays. Wear them all the time. Uh, Arizona, very bright. If you live in the valley, especially, you, you should you should have some you should have some good sunglasses for sure. For sure. Uh, Shady Rays also offers the most insane protection plan in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by their loss and broken replacements plan. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. They have your back long after you purchase. We have people in the office who've taken advantage of this. Uh, I haven't lost my Shady Rays. I can't relate, but I do lose a lot of things. So it feels like it's only a matter of time. Uh, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. And with that, we move into the top five, Sean. Now it's now it's getting real. Uh, number five, we're going back to the NLDS against the Los Angeles Dodgers for one of the rowdiest moments that I've ever witnessed to Chase Field, at least in my life. Uh, not one, not two, not three, but four home runs 
five, kind of like same, four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. Uh, we'll get into that against uh, Zal against Lance Lynn, of course. His uh, his issues with the Gopher Ball, well well documented during the regular season. Um, but yeah, I mean, even up two zero against the Dodgers, this happened in that game three. Everyone yeah. still knew that the Dodgers had the ability to come back. They obviously oh, yeah. were an extremely talented roster. You figured the Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman were going to figure things out at some point. Uh, if you were the D-backs, you wanted to just not give the Dodgers a chance to come back in that series. And the D-backs in Game 3, dr- just dramatic fashion the way that they did it. There wasn't a ton of offense in this game for them. Um, but in one of those early, I want to say it was the third inning of this game, uh, just taking it to Lance Lynn. Uh, I believe it was Geraldo Perdomo who started it. Uh, Gabby Moreno, of course, uh, he, he had sort of the most iconic part of this hitting yeah. a foul home run. Um, and then, you know, having that ruled foul. And then on the very next pitch, hitting an actual home run. Joe Mantiply later in the postseason said that the, that was one of the coolest things he's ever seen on a baseball field. I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people feel that way about uh, about that Gabby Moreno moment. Yeah, no, that one, that was magic. I mean, that that was one of the cooler things I've ever seen watching the sport of baseball. Like, it it, yeah. it was amazing. Again, another one of those moments that is amazing on its face, but when you add all the context around it, like it being against the Los Angeles Dodgers, being in the game three, like, it, and then having the home run get called off and then hitting one immediately – it was awesome. Like it was, and uh, when you have watched the first two games of that series, I think at that moment you couldn't tell Diamondback fans anything. Like they were Diamondbacks were the best team in the world, as far as Diamondback fans were. For <laughs> them to come out there and punch them in the mouth again like that, I think was just like, oh, I don't care what the Los Angeles Dodgers have done the last decade. Like we own you now. It doesn't matter. Like you are property of the Arizona Diamondbacks we own you we own Clayton Kershaw we own Lance Lynn like this is the greatest team to ever exist the Dodgers are a joke it was I think it was chicken soup for the Diamondback fans soul they needed it they needed that series they needed those games and for it to kind of end like this four straight home runs or four home runs in inning, like it was unreal yeah four home runs and not quite four straight home runs it was it was Perdomo uh, could tell Marte hit the next one, and yep. then it was Gabriel Moreno doing his thing, and then Christian Walker capped it off with the fourth homer of the inning. Um, and Dave Roberts just uh, sitting in the Dodgers dugout. <laughs> what do you think as this happened, Lance Lynn, just a rough, rough inning. Uh, I believe the Diamondbacks won this game four to two, if I'm not mistaken. So I oh, think right. this was the only. I, I want to say this was the only offense they had in the entire game, uh, and I, there's not really a more dramatic way to a more dramatic <laughs> way to score four runs than to score than to hit four solo home runs in yeah. the same inning. So yeah, Chase Field was incredibly loud. It was it was really a remarkable thing to to witness in person and a moment that Diamondbacks fans will cherish for many many years to come, oh. no doubt. Uh, number four. Now we're now we're moving into the World Series, one of the greatest performances by a Diamondback ever in the World Series. Merrill Kelly in Game Two, after a really really rough Game One against the Texas Rangers, the Diamondbacks were in position to win that game. They wind up, you know, game is tied on a Corey Seager home run. They lose an in extra innings on a home run by Adolis Garcia feeling maybe a little bit down heading into game two and Merrill Kelly delivered for the Diamondbacks. One of the 
one of the most impressive World Series starts you'll ever see. Seven innings, uh, only one run allowed, and no walks, nine strikeouts in this game. Uh, looking back at the highlights for this, it's interesting to me how many of the strikeouts were like just painted like four seamers and two yeah. seamers that were just like right on the edge. Uh, he was really toying with Rangers hitters throughout uh, throughout this game. And as we saw, I mean, the Rangers, a really, really impressive offense uh, doing it the way that the Merrill Kelly did was uh, was very impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was the mainstay for a reason. Like he, he was the guy we're going into the postseason with the way that that gallon was pitching, you were like, uh, okay, we might only have one guy, and it's it's Merrill Kelly. And obviously, Zach Gallon had his moments, whatever. But, like, this was a, a moment. And obviously, we know how it ends. It ultimately didn't matter. It was the right. only game they won. But, like, in the moment, it was very much like, all right, we've kind of seen how these other series have gone. Like, this is the time for someone to step up. Um, and yeah. Merrill did. Um, and I think it was, again, another moment where Diamondbacks fans were like, oh, like now we're going to like we need to win the World Series. Like it's like we've shown that we can beat this team. We've shown that like whatever, like let's go win a ring now. Um, and uh, again, obviously it didn't happen, but it, it was uh, a very crucial moment. And obvi- again, just on its face, a unbelievable pitching performance on the biggest stage in baseball. Yeah, and it, it was a really, I mean, I know the final score, the Diamondbacks wound up winning this game by a lot, um, but a lot of those runs were scored in the last few innings. This was really like Jordan Montgomery and, and Merrill Kelly kind of going toe-to-toe in a very competitive game up until the sixth or seventh inning. Then the Diamondbacks kind of broke away. So Merrill Kelly wasn't pitching garbage innings. Like These were high-intensity yeah. innings the entire way through that he was in the game, and uh, he, he delivered in a huge way for the Diamondbacks. You said... Oh, the only game that they wound up winning in the World Series, but they did win it in convincing fashion. Uh, Merrill Kelly, I think, uh, got a lot of the flowers that he deserves but does not often get pitching yeah. on that stage and, and doing that well. Just really cool for him personally to have that opportunity. Uh, number three, going back to, to Philadelphia Phillies, uh, former closer Craig Kimbrell, Uh, who had a bit of a rough moment in the eighth inning of game four of the NLCS. The Diamondbacks found a way to win that game three. As we said earlier, Brandon Fock, Atel Marte playing big roles there. They get the series to two to one, and then they were not in position at all to win game four of the NLCS. This was the bullpen game, uh, the game that did not go well for them at all in the World Series, but they found a way to win this one. And a huge part of it was that when they were down five to three, Alec Thomas, who did not start this game, uh, comes in off the bench and delivers the biggest hit of his life, a two-run home run that tied the game and eventually put the Diamondbacks in position to tie the NLCS at two games apiece. And, of course, that eventually led to them you know, being able to make the World Series in the first place. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I, like, I talked about a lot going into the playoffs is that like when teams win world series or when they do stuff in the playoffs, like it, it almost feels like it's, it's never stars that win MVPs. Obviously Cattell ended up winning the NL uh, sure. MVP, but like, it, it's always like your Steven Pierce's who show up randomly. You're, you're and obviously talking from a Red Sox, you're Jackie Bradley Jr. It's like random guys like that. And Alec, if I remember correctly, had not been like in his few opportunities before that had not really done anything and not been very good. And another moment where they needed someone to do something 
and Alec Thomaston just goes and hits the biggest home run of his professional baseball career, probably his entire baseball career. Um, like it was, uh, yeah. And I don't know, that was weird because it also kind of felt like it was always going to happen. Like it just felt like Alec had those moments throughout the season where even if he wasn't playing well, he was all of a sudden going to just get a hold of one and it sure. was going to look like the sexiest home run of all time. Um, <laughs> and it, he's, I mean, Alec is awesome. He's obviously really important for his, what he does defensively, but like he's also shown at moments that he can be a pretty big offensive player uh, when the team needs him most. And this was the most uh, textbook example of that. Yeah, the the backstory here is really interesting too. Alec Thomas is in the on deck circle. And uh, there was actually a world in which Alec Thomas would have been pulled back and the Diamondbacks would have used Jordan Lawler to come in and uh, lay down a bunt. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was sort of contingent on what Evan Longoria, who was at the plate, did in his at-bat. He ultimately lined out. And so Torrey Lovello sticks with Alec Thomas. I think there was even a world in which Alec Thomas would have laid down a bunt. Uh, that's something I heard at one point. But yeah, I think it's safe to say you're glad that nobody bunted in this situation. <laughs> yeah. This wound up being a, a pretty a pretty big hit for the Diamondbacks. One of the most memorable moments at Chase Field, of course, with uh, you know some of the others that we mentioned. Something that people yeah. are going to remember for a very, very long time. Uh, moving on, number two here, Sean. Uh, this one is not necessary. I mean, I guess it's sort of a specific moment, but we just had to have near the top of the list the word sweep next to the Los Angeles Dodgers. It simply would not have felt right uh, to not recognize that specific accomplishment, the outcome of that series, as being one of the greatest moments this season for the Diamondbacks. Being able to do it again, not just just winning the series, not just beating a team that had... So has sort of owned the Diamondbacks for a number of seasons, frankly, but doing it in in the dramatic fashion that they did. That's number two. Yeah, I mean, if you want a specific moment here, I think it's the party in the pool. I mean, I think this is another moment where for it, it yeah. obviously meant a lot, but for fans, it meant a whole other thing. Like, I, I think that that is the one thing that has haunted this franchise like almost more than anything is the Dodgers celebrating in the pool at chase field. And then, so to be able to embarrass them on a stage like this and sweep them and then go get the party in your pool while they're still in the building like that, I think again, for fans was huge. It's something they needed to see. They needed to see them embarrass the Dodgers and get the chance to, to celebrate in their own pool. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, we know, we know what it is. (laughs) <laughs> we hate the Los Angeles Dodgers in Arizona. That's just kind of how this works. They're yeah. they're mortal enemy number one. It, it, it just is what it is. And there's no team you would rather embarrass the way that the Diamondbacks embarrass the Dodgers than the Dodgers. And so, yeah, this this had to be near the top of the list because, I mean, the only uh, obviously only other one thing that's going to go above it, but embarrassing the Dodgers is is going to be like the sweetest moment of the postseason for a lot of people. Yeah, there's just something about the fact that it was the Dodgers just adds mm-hmm. so much significance to this, obviously. Uh, last time the Diamondbacks and Dodgers played in the NLDS, it happened six years ago, and it did not go very well for the Diamondbacks. That series looked very different than this one, even though those two teams on paper were a whole lot more evenly matched than <laughs> the two teams that met in the NLDS this year. But yeah, what what a remarkable accomplishment that was for the Diamondbacks to take it to this team that has owned them for so many years and find a way to do it in in such dramatic fashion. Anyone who was there at the ballpark, 
I mean, whatever you paid, which might have been a lot to get into that stadium, yeah. you are not regretting that purchase. No. That is exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, and, and that's exactly what you got uh, back in October. And it, it sent the Diamondbacks to the NLCS. I mean, that's when things were starting to get serious. Like the Diamondbacks yeah. are one one series win away from the World Series. And that leads us to number one, which is when the Diamondbacks inexplicably <laughs> They go into Philly. They were down not only 2-0 in the series early, but they were down 3-2 going into Philly. They find a way to eke out a win in Game 6. Corbin Carroll has a monstrous Game 7, is just all over the place doing all of the things. And how fitting was it that the man who catches the final out, sending the Diamondbacks to the World Series, kind of going full circle here, is your record-breaking rookie, the 25 home runs, 50 stolen bases guy, the guy who more than any other player on this team is responsible for really turning around the direction of this franchise. It wouldn't have felt right if it was anyone else making this yeah. catch. Corbin Carroll squeezes it and the Diamondbacks wind up going to their first World Series in 22 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of said it all there. Like <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. Like that's enough you said got to hear those words <laughs> uh, really enough said like that yeah they, the arizona diamondback made the world series and again add the context they were down to another they were in the stadium that said that everyone said you couldn't win in yeah right? like it was right. the most terrifying and they broke the city of philadelphia the the eagles have sucked ever since then like they have broken <laughs> that that city. They, they 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 ended Craig Kimbrell's career effectively. Obviously, he's still pitching, but now he's still like, signed with the Orioles. The Orioles he's still going to yeah. pitch. Yeah, why? So the Boston I don't know. Red Sox have made a move. Oh, did they really? Lucas Giolito is a Boston Red Sox. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. All right. Anyways, continue. I just that broke, so I just wanted no, to. Get I guess we're news. we're very much pulling back the curtain here that we are recording this on Friday. Uh, so yeah, I guess the well, Lucas yeah, I, really get, I guess, old I guess news. during free agency frenzy, probably and pretty important because if in the next twenty four hours they signed somebody and we were talking about the Boston Red Sox being boring and not doing anything <laughs> whatever, uh, but no one cares about the Boston Red Sox because they didn't even make the playoffs, let alone the World Series. Uh, no, yeah, I mean the Diamondbacks, they they, they did the improbable. Um, I really appreciated that Cattell got to have the recognition of winning the NL uh, postseason MVP. Like I, I had said for a lot of the season that in my eyes he was the most important player on this team. He was their MVP. Um, but yeah, I mean they they broke Philadelphia. Like Philly fans are the worst. Like obviously we hate the Dodgers <laughs> and Dodgers fans suck, but the city of Philadelphia, the fans that they produce are not they're not cool i don't like them they're annoying they're crybabies and we got to see them cry a whole lot of tears after that and like i said the eagles suck like they haven't been good like they ruined the city they ruined the city they 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 fractured everything like if you have, have you talked to a philadelphia fan since then they don't know what to do with themselves they're like, oh, like that was that was the Phillies' chance. Like if they had won, they would win the World Series, and now it's over. Now the Eagles suck. Who cares about the the Sixers? Like the Flyers are, oh, the Flyers are kind of good, but they're just going to break my heart in the postseason too. They the Philadelphia fans are broken, and the Arizona Diamondbacks did that to them, and so it just makes that so much sweeter because I hate Philly fans. Um, <laughs> and then we got to watch the Diamondbacks in the World Series, where regardless of how it went. To see that patch on the jersey, to see the broadcast, to see the Diamondbacks logo, 
next to the World Series trophy, like all of this stuff, to be able to experience that at a time when no one expected it. No one thought they were going to the World Series this year. It was a question mark if they'd even make the playoffs. And then they were in the World Series. It was, I mean, it was just incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, and that, I mean, that Game 7 was, I, I could... I was there. I could feel the nervous energy in at the bank from from the first pitch of that game. Uh, the Diamondbacks scored early. The Phillies bounced back and took the lead and seemed like that park was about to go crazy. The Phillies had a chance to break things open early. Uh, Brandon Fott wasn't quite as good in Game 7 as he was in Game 3, but he still managed to work out of some tough situations and put the D-backs in good position to win that game. If I had to pick one moment beyond just the Corbin Carroll catch that sealed the deal and sent the D-backs to the World Series, there was a moment after it happened in the aftermath during the celebration where Alec Thomas had like an NL pennant flag, or maybe it was just a diamond. It might have been a flag with a Diamondbacks logo on it. Um, and he just he just like plants it like right around the infield dirt at Citizens Bank Park, basically declaring the bank, as you said earlier, the ballpark where no, no, uh, you know, visiting team dares come in and win the yeah, greatest, the greatest home field advantage in, in all of professional sports or at least in baseball. And Alec Thomas plants this flag and he declares Citizens Bank Park as being as being the part. I mean, for those two days, it was right. I mean, who's to say yeah. what's going to happen the next time the Diamondbacks step in that ballpark? I don't think they're going to be received very well. Um, but to see awesome. that happen, that was uh, that that kind of put an exclamation point on on everything else. No, and it re- like it is nice to be hated. Like it is nice to take up real estate because I, again, like sure. I mentioned, it, people. Whether you, whether Arizona fans like hearing it or not, the reality is is that Arizona teams, their fan bases, what they're doing often does not register to most people on a national basis, especially on the East Coast. People on the East Coast don't care about what's going on in Arizona, but you made them care. They made them have to recognize the Arizona Diamondbacks. And now every time Phillies fans see what happened in that series, when they see the Diamondbacks logo, they have to think there is a there's a real memory associated with it, and there's hatred. The Diamondbacks ruin the days of Phillies fans. And it is beautiful having that kind of power. Um, I just, I'm a very spiteful, hateful person, as you can't tell. <laughs> and so I just love being, I love the energy that that moment created. Well, speaking of making memories, Sean, some burrows, where else would you possibly want to go to do that? If you're in the mood uh, for some good food and they have, and they have a drive through, which is also uh, at least a I lot of the locations do the Amazing. ones that I've been to do. Um, some burrows is family owned and operated was voted Arizona's most loved Mexican restaurant. Uh, we love, we love the food over there. Uh, Derek was raving about some like breakfast thing that he had the other day and he wouldn't stop talking about it. Uh, <laughs> they have, uh, some new locations around the Valley as well. Check out their newest locations in Goodyear, Peoria, and, uh, and I 17 and Joe max or visit some to find one near you. Let some bros cater all your holiday fiestas, big or small, order online or find one near you by visiting someburrows.com. Seasons eatings with some burrows. Uh, well, Sean, this is the last PHNX D backs podcast of 2023. I feel like we could go on for forever just yeah. uh, thinking back to all the things that happened this season. We're at an hour and 10 minutes. So I guess, I guess, uh, Jacob behind the Mac doesn't want to sit here for the, for, you know, until New Year's. Uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I'm also 40 minutes late to a meeting. 
that's that's oh, fair. so you want us to go longer you're saying yeah <laughs> right yeah that gives us all sorts of reasons just keep going <laughs> on um but yeah thanks again sean for uh for hopping on here it's a lot of fun thanks having you me. having you come back on and and just sort of put a bow on what was really an amazing tw- i mean i can't say enough about the 2023 season that the diamondbacks had hopefully we did some justice to some of the top moments in here but Again, many conversations could be had and will continue to be had about this baseball team uh, for years and years to come. But in the meantime, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Jesse and Friedman. Uh, Sean, are you like at Sean underscore to pause or something? No, at Sean underscore to pause. Okay. All right. I'm out of practice. I forgot what it was. I thought I forgot (laughs) what it was. I guess I didn't. Uh, Jacob behind the Mac. Uh, who we're making late to meetings today. He is at Jacob underscore Franklin four. You can tell him how much you appreciate him. Uh, but of course, you should also follow us uh, at our beat account on Twitter at PHNX underscore DBACs. And all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, thank you all so much for joining us here today in this special Saturday edition of the PHNX DBAC show. Uh, Happy New Year. This is the last time we'll see you until January 1st of 2024. We look forward to seeing you on Monday as always. Uh, But again, remember kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when your baseball team goes to the World Series.